Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hello there, my Heart of Dating family. Welcome back this week to the Heart of Dating podcast. I'm your host, Kate Warman, and I'm so glad you're here. Also, guys, I am on an incredible high after last weekend spent at the Heart of Dating Singled Out Conference. You guys, wow, just wow. And I know this week we have so many new listeners. So if you are brand new to our Heart of Dating community, welcome, my new friend. You are so in the right place and we can't wait to connect with you more. The best ways to connect with us is over on Instagram at at Kateness and at Heart of Dating and also through our private Facebook community where you can go to facebook.com forward slash Heart of Dating, click groups on the page and then answer a few questions, agree to our rules and you will be admitted. But the fun from the conference and all the things is not over. Okay, guys, next week, I am actually launching my very first book. Thank you for rejecting me. Transform pain into purpose and learn to fight for yourself. It comes out on February 16th. That's right, right around Valentine's Day. Now, let me just say this. Rejection is one of the hardest and darkest things that we go through in life. We may feel unwanted, left out, heartbroken, unloved, looked over, insignificant. We may toggle between the two lies of being too much or not enough. And the thing is, this has also been the most consistent thing in my story as well as a single woman. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I'm pretty sure you've probably experienced rejection at some point in your life. I know with confidence that my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, is going to help you face your past rejections, heal from the ones you're going through right now, and prepare you with better strength and tools to face it all in the future. This book is all of my darkest stories of rejection combined from betrayal, heartbreak, abuse, which we're talking about today, abandonment, feeling like a total failure, not fitting in, being uninvited, wondering where God is within all of it, and even the tragic ways in which I've rejected myself through things such as body shame and insecurity and even self-hatred. You guys, this book is not just for somebody who's experienced heartbreak. This book is going to help you transform so many areas of your life, and I want you to get your hands on it. So you can do that right now by going to thankyouforrejectingme.com. You could also go to Amazon and pre-order it there and get it primed to your house for the week of February 16th, and you can get it wherever books are sold. It's so many places online. If you pre-order it right now, that would mean the world to me. And then I want to ask you, if it means something to you, would you consider writing a review for the book, especially on Amazon? That actually helps me so much as a first-time author. So if you are in this community, gosh, would it just mean the world to have your support as I step out into the most vulnerable thing I've ever done in my entire life. Rejection can try to have its way with us, but that doesn't mean we can't have our way with rejection. You guys, I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. All right, well, let's get into the conversation for today. I am so thankful for my girl, Tony Collier. 
Today, she came on to share about her story of toxic relationships and abuse. And I share about mine as well, and that coincides with one of the chapters of my book. And I just love Tony's heart and her story of going from pain to freedom and wholeness and to meeting her now husband, Sam. Man, she is just incredible and powerful and real, and I love her. And she's become one of my close friends within this last year. So you guys are gonna really, really be touched by this conversation. Tony Collier is the co-lead pastor of Hillsong Atlanta and founder of an international women's ministry called Broken Crayon Still Color that helps women process through brokenness and get to hope. She is a speaker, host, and consultant that has helped organizations with creative marketing, leadership, student ministry, and strategic planning. She's had the opportunity to proudly stand on stages like North Point Community Church, Chick-fil-A, Orange Conference, and MomCon. Tony kills illusions. She confronts the hard things. She takes her challenges head on, and then she takes on your challenges. And in this digital age of anxiety, Tony is teaching people all over the country that you can be broken and worthy and unqualified and still called to do great things. She doesn't want you to just face your demons. She wants you to squash the illusion of your brokenness so you can live the most colorful life possible. Man, I just feel empowered even reading Tony's bio. You guys, Tony exudes every ounce of this from the inside out. You're gonna love this conversation with my girl. And even if you've never been in an abusive relationship, like a physically abusive relationship, I'm pretty certain you've dealt with some sort of toxic relationship or friendship in your life. And friend, we are going there today. So without further ado, my conversation with Tony Collier. Gosh, we got Tony Collier on today. What? Uh-oh. <laughs> what, going down. what is going on, girl? I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I'm screaming already. We haven't even started. We haven't even started, and we're in it. And girl, you know it already. But I'm wearing the pink beanie just for you right <gasps> now. Okay, Angelica. I have coined this pink beanie, Angelica. I mean, it's more famous than I could ever even wish to be. <laughs> Shout out H and M, like they're gonna get sold out. This is what I'm saying. I'm like, give me a deal. I need a deal. Okay. You had like the pink beanie, hot pink beanie spokesperson. Like I literally (laughs) bought a flannel just to go with this pink beanie, and I'm wearing it right now, girl, because it has bright pink, uh, bright pink stripes. I'm like, um, we gotta get something to go with this amazing beanie. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, Tony, I've been looking forward to this. Oh, I was uh, working and preparing for this over the weekend and just thinking how honored I am to have you on as a friend, um, first and foremost, but as also a leader and just like thinking through your story and how many women that you get to help and walk alongside through the topic that we're about to discuss today. And so, you know, before we even get into like all the depths of this conversation, I'd love to just have you share a bit about who you are and what you're passionate about, what you do, because it's incredible. (laughs) Man, I I get to do so many things and I just love it so much. I have uh, three big old buckets. I like to unpack (laughs) it that way. Um, I get to be the co-lead pastor of Hillsong Atlanta, new church plan with my husband, which is crazy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I get to do that. Uh, Travel and speak for Jesus and and help spread his glory in the midst of brokenness and put hope out into the atmosphere. I also have a women's ministry brand called Broken Crayon Still Color, helping women process through brokenness, get on the other side to hope, 
and live a life of wholeness and healing. Um, and then I also get to uh, dabble in a little bit of consulting. I love to help businesses and brands uh, just kind of take their big picture ideas and put strategy to it and help build teams around it. And so I have a, a couple of companies that I do that for, and I just love it so much. It's such a fun thing. So, and then I'm a mom and a wife and all the things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just a few things like that's fine. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, just, <laughs> we don't need an assistant or anything. We're good. We're fine. Everyone. It's good. Enneagram threes over here. Lord help us all. Um, oh my gosh. Well, Tony, we are, I know this is going to be a fun combo and we're also going into some like hard topics today. So I'm excited to be able to chat through some really hard and tender things and also also have fun at the same time, which is hard to do. Okay. But I yeah. know that we're going to do, do it, <laughs> you know? So I want to first uh, start by reading a stat and then I want to op- like get you to share a bit about your story. But um, today we're talking about toxic relationships and abuse and, and how to kind of heal. And that's a lot to unpack in like the 45 minutes we have together. So we're going to try our best. Okay. <laughs> but first uh, I want to read the stat. So the national domestic violence hotline has shared that more than one in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence from an intimate partner. And this can include things such as shoving, slapping, pushing. And then on top of that, a woman will leave this stat really blew my mind that a woman will leave an abusive relationship seven times on average, seven times on average before she leaves for good. And I, these are some stats I found when I was looking and researching for my book. Thank you for rejecting me because man, I got to be honest. I wrote a chapter in the book about abuse. I called that chapter. I'm not crazy. And the hard part about writing that chapter I shared with my editor back and forth, I was like, how in the world do I write one chapter on abuse. Like it was a, it was probably the right. most challenging chapter for me to write just because there I was like, I don't know how to like give it justice in just a chapter. I definitely did my best, but there's so much to unpack and the weight of just pain and trauma and hurt and how it can seek to destroy our identities and make us feel so broken. I, I shared that on my end, but I want to hear a bit about you and your stony, sto- stony. And you, I love that. Stony. I love what you, I love stony. That word. It's the Tony story. Yeah, right? The, the Tony, Tony story. story, right? But yeah, I know you have a story of just abuse and just toxic relationships. So you, I mean, obviously it's why you, you're doing what you do today. So will you just do us a, an honor of sharing a bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, let me just acknowledge and affirm what you said, Kate, like abuse is a complex topic. And unfortunately, I think we have tried to fit it into a box. It only looks like this. It's only this intense, but it is not. It is complex. There's many different levels. There's mild, moderate, severe, traumatic. I mean, there's so many different levels of abuse. Um, And unfortunately for me, like so many others, abuse was a seed that was planted as a child. Um, And it started off as verbal abuse from my father, um, cursing and calling me out of my name because it was just the way that he grew up. Uh, Really intense and and harsh whippings with belts and and whips on our backs and things that seemed so simple um, because it's just how, you know, our family grew up was really planting the seeds of a life and a cycle of abuse in my life. Um, From there, Uh, Being 13 years old, I I lost my virginity to a guy that was uh, sexually manipulative. 
Um, he would, you know, say in order to, to be in a relationship with me, you know, we've got to have sex. And, and it was really hard for a small 13 year old girl, um, who's, you know, didn't have that experience. And, um, and it was just really, really dark, but, uh, I go back to that 13 year old girl because I just didn't see it as, as abuse then. And I think I didn't see it as that because I had already been through such abuse um, and toxic a relationship with my own father. And so it was very normal for me to experience, you know, pain in a relationship like, oh, this is just what it takes. This is just how you receive love. It's hard and it's harsh and it's aggressive. Um, and then I, I thankfully transitioned out of that relationship and then hopped into another one because that's just what the cycles of abuse do, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and, and got with a guy who seemed totally fine at first. You know, we didn't argue the first year of us even dating. Um, and then we moved to a different state together. And I mean, it was treacherous, arguing, doors ripped off the hinges, uh, holes punched in the walls, holes punched through plates, um, and, and ended up getting married because, hey, like, this is it. This is normal. This is how you love someone. And so we stayed married together for about six years, married for about three, almost four, had a little girl in that environment. Um, and it didn't get any better. Um, it turned from yelling and screaming and, and big argument blowups to, um, you know, tangible things like doors and walls and plates to, uh, now it's getting physical and, um, ended up transitioning out, praise God. And just, you know, looking at my daughter, I think it, the weight becomes a little different when you are responsible for a whole human and their health and their safety. Uh, but I, I left and, and started on a journey that was long and still going of healing because you got to heal after that, after you're aware of what's going on. But here I am now remarried in a healthy relationship, honestly shocked every single day because I'm like, oh, this is what love looks like. It's gentle and kind and patient and not aggressive and loud and demeaning and abusive. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a beautiful journey, but it has been a journey nonetheless. Uh, but here we are today, thriving, mm. trying to thrive at least. <laughs> you guys are. It's amazing. It seriously is. And your and Sam's story is also just like, I love it. I love it so much. But thank you, thank you for sharing just so much of that, Tony. And like, gosh, and what you said related to me, I could relate to as well. And just for others listening, like sometimes this doesn't just come out of nowhere. A lot of times when we trace back some of the abusive cycles in our life, they look very different. Like it's not just through physical abuse. And I think that people just think like physical abuse, like, oh, like obvious, like, okay, somebody hits, shoves, pushes, slaps, whatever that in punches, you know, like that feel that's physical abuse. That's abuse. But there's you know, there's the emotional abuse, there's spiritual yeah. abuse and manipulation. Oh, yeah. Whoa, let's go. And, and then there's sexual yeah, abuse yeah. as well, you know, and, um, I've suffered from, from all forms of abuse, but I always used to think like, it's just physical. It's just so that, uh, you know, apparent physical abuse. And if someone isn't that way, like aggressive like that, then I, I didn't know what the lengths of emotional manipulation and abuse looked like or verbal abuse even really, or, and a definitely not spiritual abuse <laughs> to not understand that. Um, but here's one thing that I can, um, also just wanted to say off the bat is that you said the first year of your relationship with this man that you ended up marrying too, like you didn't even really have that many fights. So it's so interesting is that oftentimes abusers can be really charismatic and very likable. And that's also the story of like the ex that I talk about in the book. At first, he was just like the one liked by everyone. And we were great and thriving seemingly, right? So 
you know, how did he show up and what were the transition of signs that you started seeing things change? Because I want people to feel like normal. I think one of the things that I felt was like, wait a second, I didn't see this off the bat. Like what's wrong with me? You know, like, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, first of all, it took a long time for me to even see that type of pattern. But I remember the the pivotal moment where I was like, hey, I, I, I really have to leave this situation. I had wrote down um, this timeline of our relationship. And this is when I really saw it. And I, I went all the way back to him asking me to be his girlfriend. And honestly, I'd never been asked to be someone's girlfriend. It was you know, always very physical relationships, very sexual relationships, not very honoring. And, and that was like, amazing for me. I I had this moment where I'm like, there's this guy, he really wants to be with me. He's pursued me. He's swooned me. He's taken me on all the dates. And he actually asked me to be his girlfriend. He wants to claim me. He wants to put a title on me. Um, and I really attached to that probably in an unhealthy way in so many ways from daddy issues, which that's another podcast. Hello. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> same girl, same. But, but I mean, and then, I mean, it was just uphill from there. You know, he wanted to marry me. He put a ring on my finger before we moved to a different state together. Um, we got married. He tried everything he could. Um, we moved uh, to, to provide financially. Um, and we were best friends. You know, we hung out. And then I would realize that when I had an issue with him, Um, This is when it really started coming out. When I said, hey, I didn't enjoy the way you said that to me, or I really didn't like this, or, you know, I really wish that you would go and do this. Um, That's when some of that really aggressive behavior started to to uproot. Um, And for him, there was so much insecurity there and so much jealousy. So if I brought up any little thing, he would just blow up. It would go from him being defensive him deflecting the gaslighting. Oh no, it's not me. It's actually you. Well, if you didn't do this, I wouldn't react in this way. Um, that manipulative talk that's saying, Hey, it's, it's never me. It's really you. It's the way that you view me. And it's the way that you process life. Um, and from that, the, the name calling, I would say, um, being called so many different curse words and, uh, being talked down to, uh, you know, things were said like, you know, you're not really liked. People don't really like you. The only reason why you're, you know, even in the position that you're in, you're even succeeding is because people just want to use you for your talents. And it's really kind of this breaking down uh, that a lot of abusers do. Even you find it in pimps and sex trafficking mm-hmm. where they, you know, take all options, even Putin. I mean, not, gosh, there's a I whole know. book. Let's just be <laughs> honest. Hello, somebody. There's a whole book about how to break down a person so that wow. you can become the end all be all for them and abuse seems normal. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a long journey of that. And it went from yelling and screaming, like I said, to tangible items being thrown and, and then to physical. And that's when, for me, at least I said, oh, it, I, it has to go. I have to go. I have to protect my kids. So Wow. Something you're bringing up and just what often happens in like, especially the term gaslighting and when you can sense you're in an abusive relationship. For me, I didn't, I so didn't realize that at the time, but looking back, like there were so many times where I started questioning my, like my ability to trust myself. Like I'm saying, I feel this way or this thing hurt me. And then the person is defending themselves and deflecting so much that you question if you are even right. If, did I really feel that way? Was that really wrong? Am I, am I blowing it out of proportion? And somehow you find, then they turn it 
in, in ways and they'd make it about how you're hurting them by having a feeling, right? It's like, I yeah. like, oh and, God, yeah. and then you're like, suddenly what you came to as like, Hey, I'm upset that you did this or this didn't make me feel good. They deflect so much. They discount so much. They put it back on you, but it's how you you're making me feel this way. You should feel bad because I actually did nothing wrong. Then all of a sudden you find yourself defending yourself and being like, wait, what? I'm, And you get so disoriented that it it catches you off guard to the point of at, at when they can finally see, oh, they've caught you off guard. Now they have control over you again, right? Then they'll like sweep back in and they'll be like, baby, let's figure this out. Let's, let's work on this. Like once they realize that they have you, especially if you end up apologizing, you came with something that was wrong with like that you felt upset about, but then you end up apologizing, right? That's the moment where it's like, yeah. wait a second, everyone. Like, I overreacted. It's like, wait, yeah. wait. and then they're like, it's okay. I love you. I forgive you. And you're like, wait, I like, I how did this, you? <laughs> I, I, yeah. like, what? did you even apologize? Like, and the, these are the moments, like it takes, what I've been saying lately too, is like, it's two people are in a fight, <laughs> you know, like two people, I'm not usually fighting with myself, you know? So there's two people in these situations. And if someone's constantly deflecting and discounting and, making it about you or saying things like you're so dramatic or you never, it's, it's your, you're so emotional. That's what I get a lot. Like, but it's you, you're so emotional or you're making things up or, well, you did this, you know, it's like this constant, wait, what? I don't feel hurt at all. But now I feel like I have to defend myself. And then I go into a tailspin and I'm caught off guard. And then finally when they, all I want is for it to now end. So finally when it does end, I'm like, okay, yeah, just hold me. You know, you, all you want right. is to then be comfortable and like it for it yeah. to be over. And then you don't even know how you got there, but then you're like still in the relationship thinking, huh? Like what just happened? Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they even heard me. So, yeah. and that's like some of the abuse cycle. I just want to read some of how it shows up in general, just so people who are listening can be aware usually, and it's not always this way, but there's usually like a period of building tension and then there, it leads up to some sort of violent act. It could also be an emotional violent act or like emotional outburst. And after that, after that outburst, then, you know, you're having some sort of fight. It could be physical. It could be emotional. And then after that, Somehow it's followed with some kind of remorsive action, potentially of some kind, whether it's you apologizing or them fakely apologizing to you. And then after that, they come swoop in with a lot of like love and affection until it builds up again. And you just feel like, oh, I'm finally getting what I want. They're finally saying what I want to hear. They're finally being loving to me. They see how much I'm valued. So you buy into this lie that they're, they do love you, that things are going to change. And now, but you are questioning yourself so much that you, that your feelings are even valid. Right. And so this cycle can go on and on and you get lost in it. You get, you lose yourself. So gosh, Tony, I'm talking a lot, but I'd love to hear for you, like, what did these cycles kind of look like in your life, whether it was from your ex-husband or other men and even the guy who sexually abused you? Like, what was it like being in those cycles? Because some, it's really hard to walk away from that cycle. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, I think that when I look back at my story in every single situation that was toxic, the one thing that was missing uh, was community that knew Hmm. and community that had authority in my life in a way that protected me. Um, when I was 13 years old, I mean, I didn't have anyone. I only had this guy. 
And you know, my mom was very sick growing up. My dad was very checked out and uh, abusive in his own ways. And it was just me. And I needed love and nurturing. And I got it in a very, very wrong and foul way. But I, but I got it. And I didn't have adults or friends in my life that said, hey, I don't think you sneaking out of class and meeting a guy in a PE closet um, and allowing him to you know, do things to your body, I don't think that's right. Like, I think you need to tell an adult. Same thing with, you know, dating. I didn't have anyone that, that really knew me and that I really allowed to know me and I really allowed to be in that safe space to tell me, hey, Tony, like, I, I, you've been dating this guy for three months. You barely know him. You're getting ready to be engaged to him and move, you know, to a whole nother state with him. Ah! Sis, I think maybe we need to slow down just a little bit, you know? Yes. Um, and it's just so interesting because I think that's just shame. And I think abusers keep you isolated in so many ways and you don't even notice it so that you don't have a safe space. Uh, but in my marriage specifically, those cycles were so difficult. I had put myself in a very unsafe space. I was in a whole different state. I didn't have any family around. I had to find new friends. I mean, no one. It was just him and I. And so wanting to leave and going to bed thinking, how can I get out of this? But living in so much shame, it was so difficult. It was not until I built community and I had finally gotten enough confidence and honestly enough bravery to be broken to tell my friends, hey, I I think this something's really bad that I was able to really get out. But Oh gosh. I mean, my ex used to say, well, I'm going to kill myself if you leave me. Wow. I mean, so Ooh. much gaslighting. Oh, oh my so gosh. Bad. And of course, like oh, you're yeah. like the guilt on your shoulders of like, <gasps> wait, what? Okay. I can't let that happen. Oh, that's right. so, so hard. So that's interesting. I want to talk about community for a second here too. And like even how community may respond because I'll admit that I had community at the time of my abusive relationship and that relationship brought out the absolute worst in me. It's almost like I heard someone say this maybe actually maybe at a girl's night, I had this last weekend that sometimes what that person is dishing out to you, you end up dishing back in a way because you're getting it so much that then you react and act in those ways. So the way I was receiving what he was giving me was disorienting me so much. It was creating a lot of emotional turmoil. So I became an emotionally disturbed person. Like I literally couldn't be at public event, like I was at a girl, let's say it was girls night and I want to be present with the girls, but my ex was like withholding messages from me or purposely trying to bother me when I had a, you know, like just make me feel like I had to be on edge about where he was and what he was doing and that he was never honest. And so I couldn't even find myself enjoying girls nights. I would just be like checking my texts, wondering where is he? Where is he? Like, like what is, what's going on? And I was like constantly in a state of panic and anxiousness. And so my friends all around me saw it. The hard part, at least for what I also was going through is that a lot of people in my life at the time knew this person. We went to the mm -hmm. same church and because abusers to going back to our previous point can sometimes come off as really charismatic and very likable. Nobody in my life actually really believed me that this guy yeah. could be abusive. And they only, they saw like how I was showing up, which wasn't great. 
you know, which was a little bit emotionally on edge. And I don't want to put any necessarily blame on those friends in that community. I think they just had never really experienced somebody in an abusive relationship. But because people just kind of were like, I think you're overreacting. I think you're being dramatic. When I did share, girl, it just sent me even worse into like this downward spiral of like, I have nobody safe to share with. And maybe I am like losing my mind. Like it really reinforced that idea. So I think like maybe we can talk a second too, just how can we even recognize that somebody might be in an abusive relationship? What are things we can say to help our friends or people that we may see? How do we approach this? Because I think that community aspect is really important. Yeah. I I had a friend last year that had a, a very similar situation and you know, it's, it's so hard to give advice from this vantage point because I know the signs because I've been in it, you know, but I had a friend, um, who's dating a guy and she, you know, just told me, shared something with me about a date. And I mean, all of my like triggers came up. He had raised his voice. He had jokingly embarrassed her by doing something kind of physical, throwing something at her. And I said, Oh, sis. um, that's a red flag. Another big red flag, uh, like public embarrassment and shame. Wow. And not apologizing for that. Another big red flag was, um, him getting really upset about, um, intimate topics, getting to know him, kind of opening himself up to, well, I, you know, tell me about your past. I don't want to talk about that. I told you I didn't want to talk about it. Whoa, okay, red flag, family and friends. Um, mm-hmm. And it's at the end of the day, and, and this you know may come off as a as a pass, but abusers are humans too. If we're just going to be real, and the abuse, I mean, think about it, Kate. I mean, you just shared that the way you were showing up was a byproduct of the abuse that you were going through. And here's the thing: we take us with us. And we will leak. We like our our brokenness, our abuse, whatever we're going through, our trauma. It does not isolate itself. It leaks everywhere. And 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 these other people, these abusers. I mean, it's the same thing. There is something in them that's broken. There is a trauma. There is a past experience. And we've just got to be friends that say, "Hey, I want to give you all grace, but I want to give you all truth all the time." And we, we approach it graciously and we say, hey, I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I think that these are signs. These are red flags. Um, here's the truth. I love you and I don't want to see you in a situation that's not healthy. I would consider maybe taking this to a licensed professional and just asking, maybe getting some professional advice on what I believe are red flags for you. And, you know, it's just revisiting the conversation. Um, I think that's the friend role, not the pastor Tony. Yeah. I don't know if you struggle with this, yes. not the dating coach yes. role, right? It's just like this truth space that we get to be in. Yeah, that's so good. And I think we have opportunities as friends being around one another to like handle another person with like love and compassion and not make assumptions about what they may be going through. Because the truth is we may not understand. We may be like, I really don't know what's going on here. I I was much younger and like a lot of my friends had never no, like had never seen an abusive relationship. And so they didn't have any like tools to really help me say, Hey, that is like, this sounds abusive. That sounds like gaslighting. That sounds like emotional manipulation. You know, they were just like, 
I don't know, girl, I like, maybe you're freaking out. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, so yeah. <laughs> maybe like sometimes the best you can do is listen to somebody if they're willing to open up. Cause that's a big deal. If somebody who's being abused is willing to open up, oh my gosh, like what a big deal that is because there's so much shame around even the situation for you to even have the courage to share is a big deal. So what an awesome opportunity for us to just listen with compassion. And if you don't know the right words to say, direct them to a professional, direct them to the national domestic violence hotline, direct them like, and, and just leave space. Like, Hey, I would even ask the question like, Hey, I'm just so curious. Like, how do you feel around this person? That's like almost a core question for me to just say to anybody, like, Hey, how, my question is this, there's a lot going on here. How do you actually feel truly in your gut when you are around this person, when you're away from this person, how do you feel? Like, what is the actual feelings in your heart? And that will, that says a lot <laughs> if they're able to answer uh, that question. Yeah. And even able to get a way to process that. That's really good. Hey friends, as you know, I'm in my 30s and yet to be married. And in fact, many of you know that earlier in 2020, I went through a breakup with a man that I thought I was going to marry. As I was healing from that breakup, I also had to grieve the future life I thought I'd have with that man, including the future kids we talked about having. The reality is a family is very much something that I desire, but since I'm in my early 30s, it has crossed my mind a time or two to look into my fertility. Now, if you're curious like me about your fertility and want to stop being anxious about something you truly have no idea about, then I want to share with you a brand I recently discovered. It's called Modern Fertility. Did you know that a simple finger prick can unlock tons of insight into your reproductive health? I'm talking egg count, menopause timing, if your hormone levels indicate conditions like thyroid disorders or PCOS, all things that are good to know whether or not kids are in your future. There's so much about fertility that's a complete mystery. That's where the modern fertility hormone test comes in. Think of your fertility hormones as tiny detectives. They can bring you tons of insight into your egg count, reproductive timeline, and even possible outcomes for egg freezing and IVF. Everything you need to know to get proactive about your fertility. And guess what makes it all even easier, y'all? Modern fertility is done all at home. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. You have to mail it in with a prepaid label, and then you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the exact same information. And guess what's even more, y'all? Right now, Modern Fertility is offering Heart of Dating listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash heart. That means your test will only cost $139 instead of the hundreds or even thousands of dollars it could cost at a doctor's office. You'll get important insights into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can even talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you do want kids today, or maybe one day in the future, you really need information to make the decision that's best for you. So you can get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com heart. That's modernfertility.com heart. You guys, I really have enjoyed Modern Fertility, and I hope that you do as well.
So Tony, a part of this too, you and I have both been through these really horrible situations. And I feel like I I talk about this in my book, but you know, one line I always say, and I just encourage women, like some ways we have to really find how to deeply and truly love ourselves so as to not lose ourselves. What I found is that, yeah, man, I mean, 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 let's just like love yourself to not lose yourself. But it really is because what I found in my relationship was, and this is like over space and time of processing is that I, before I met my abusive ex, already had inklings of lies about myself that I believed. Mm-hmm. And there were ways in which I was almost self-abusive, if I'm being honest, like just in the way of I of how I was speaking to myself, maybe not physically self-abusive, right? But just the ways I was speaking to myself, like, Kate, like you can do better than that. Kate, like you're, oh my gosh, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like you shouldn't have reacted that way. Like we're so shamed to ourselves internally in our dialogue, we go walk into a room and sometimes our immediate thought is that guy's never going to like me. I'm not pretty enough for that guy. Or just those little remarks that we say of, oh, he's never, I'm never going to be good enough for X person, for X thing, whatever it is, we berate ourselves internally, you know? And what I found is that I was doing that for years on end before I even met my abuser. And therefore when he was kind of reinforcing some of those things, I kind of, they seemed a little normal to me because that was already the thought process I had in my mind because I was like, well, yeah, I am kind of that way or because I'd already told myself that for years. And so I I love that you have this ministry, Broken Cranstall Color, where you're really helping women. You know, it's, oh, it's beautiful. Everyone needs to check it out. Okay, everyone. (laughs) Um, But you are so anointed to talk into this. And I know that you help, especially women, like work through the lies that they believe about themselves, how to, because whether someone listening is in an abusive relationship, just got out of one, or like believe doesn't really love herself right now. I'm like, it all comes down to how can you mend those broken parts of your heart and learn to love yourself outside of relationship? Like, what would you say to that woman so today? Woo! That is, that's a big old question. Kate. Right? It just is. It just is. We have women, we have about 50 women going through uh, our course oh, right now, the hopeful it. woman course. And Oh my goodness. It is incredible. But I, I mean, I just want to share the steps that we have in the course because it's kind of like our roadmap, the formula from, you know, going from a life of brokenness and accepting that we are innately broken to a life of accepting that we're broken and that things are going to happen and we're going to have these moments of self-doubt and self-harm and self-abuse, but hope is still available, even in the hurt places. The first step that we encourage women to take is story mapping. And it is treacherous. Um, they hate it. I mean, yes, not, we, yes. we, it's just bad. It's just so bad. Um, we have had women just like, I cannot get through this step. Like, can y'all just not move on to the next step? Because I don't want to look back. <laughs> yeah. I do, I don't, like, can I, I just move forward? To. I don't want to go into that. It's like it, the closet, the closet in your house that you stuff everything into. Here. And you're like, hey, I kept that in there for a reason. I have not opened for that reason. door for a reason. We are good. The rest door. of my house looks nice. Just don't go in that door. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't go in that door. And it's like, sis, no, like we cannot. We have to go back um, to create a pathway forward for ourselves. And the truth is, I mean, our counselor says it all the time, like our child wounds 
develop into our adult scars. And the truth is we want our wounds to turn into scars. We want to be able to see the brokenness that we have gone through, but to live a life of taking all of that brokenness and healing it and being whole people so that we can help others. And the only way to do it is to go back and look at those childhood wounds. And we have a whole process where we are encouraging women to even go back into um, figuring out some of the pre-birth um, toxic traits that their parents held um, to figure out, like my mom, she was in an abusive marriage. Mm. My mom's mom was in an abusive wow. marriage. Like it's almost kind of nuts a little bit when Whoa. you think about it. Wow. And it's just cycles and cycles of that. But we go back and, and we ask all of the questions from what was your childhood like? What are some lies that you believed about yourself that were deeply planted into your, your beautiful feminine heart? What was it that tainted you from the beginning and then we have people identify where they are, um, which is a very hard thing. And we always talk about this idea of from, from mild to traumatic state. Like you just got to figure out where you are today and not be ashamed of that. But there was a moment when I had to say, Tony, sis, baby girl, you were in a traumatic state. You cannot hold a conversation with someone. You can't go to sleep at night. You're experiencing anxiety. You are doubting your um, life in moments. Like you're in a traumatic state, babe. And there is, there's, solutions for that. And the biggest thing that I would say really helped me is just getting a freaking counselor. Like I said, in the last, I'm like, listen, girls, right. Let's, yes. let's, not even, let's just not even play around with it no more. Like it's not, it, it isn't even a thing of, it's the thing of the past that says, oh man, you know, counselors are for those crazy cuckoo people, but listen, let's not play with it. It is not, it's for all of us, every yes. single person. Thank you. Praise God. <laughs> Every single person. I mean, like. All y'all. All y'all, because here's the deal. We will go to a doctor to help us understand and unpack yes. our medical issues, our, the biology of our bodies. We will go to a trainer because they understand how, how HIT and Tabata and weight training works for us so that we can build the outer exterior of our physical presence. But when it comes to our emotions and feelings, we will not go and ask the experts how to process things and heal our minds so that we can be healthy whole people it's just crazy and we have to go and once I went I mean gosh it created a, a lifestyle that was was beautiful and the truth is community was a big part of that that's one of the steps that we talk about I mean you got to transition toxic community into another circle Jesus had circles fam yes. like he did not have everybody all up in his business right he had circles and dimensions levels. Come on. We've seen it. I mean, Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Like that was the intimate friends circle he had. Then he had James. Then he had Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Then he had the crowds of people. And we have to be like Jesus in the ways, if that's what we believe and, and figure out how we can have people in the right places, in the right circles, dimensions of our lives. Mm. Um, and gosh, that's, that's one of the, I would say that's my favorite step. Yes. Um, because you start to feel seen and known. And so you get out of the shame bubbles because people start to accept you and all your brokenness and their safe spaces. And oh my gosh, there's so much freedom in that. But those are just some things for sure. Girl, so important. And it's hard. Like the things you're talking about for anyone listening, like y'all, Tony and I have done this kind of work. And I also want to sit uh, here and share the fact that like, y'all, it's not that we sit here. I'm going to, I'm speaking for you too, Tony. You can correct me if I'm wrong with what I'm about to say, but 
some of these things can be deeply rooted and it takes time. Like I, I want you to know that if you're in that process right now, if you've tried and then you feel discouraged, like it takes time. It's a process. Don't give up on yourself. Like don't give up on the process. There's a phrase we say at uh, this place called onsite that I went to. It's a therapy retreat center. Talk about intense therapy. Okay. Seven days of like intensive, intensive, deep. It's like a year of therapy in a week, at least in the very, oh my gosh. And they say, trust the process. And I, I mentioned that too in the book, I think in chapter eight, but you know, we have to be able to trust the process that when you are healing, from trauma, when you are recognizing patterns of trauma, patterns of abuse, this process takes time. For me, even today, my abusive relationship was years and years ago. At this point, it's been about eight years. And even still, there are moments where things come up that I'm like, I can, I feel some little sensations in my body. It is much less than it ever has been, but there are still like, those are deep neural pathways that were created and deep ways of thinking and acting and seeing the world that you are now rewriting. And the beauty of this is neuroplasticity. And I love that God created our brains this way to be neuroplastic. Like he created our minds so that in the Bible where it says be constantly, you can be renewed by the transformation of your mind. We can do that in in partnership with him to actually change the neural pathways. So those neural pathways that are deep are not do not have to be stuck forever. I think of it as like a giant trench. And so, yes, that's a really easy trench to go down. It's like a path that's really walked on, but through digging up and putting dirt in that trench over time, over time, over time, it becomes something, it's not as deeply ingrained. And that's what the work is. You're doing this consistently. It's a journey. But over time, the new will seem more normal to you. The new pathway that you continue to walk on will be what you what you uh, orient to first versus that old path, right? And so I just want to encourage anybody listening who's heard those steps and it's like, if, if you've tried it out or if you're about to try going down this path, like just know, friend, that it takes time. Do not give up on yourself in the journey. And Tony, I'm sure that you can speak to that too. It just, it does. It can take some time, right? One thing that I heard that that's a good summation of what you just said, Kate, was um, neurons that fire together, wire together. And, and it's just, just this idea of what you're talking about. We have to create healthy neuron pathways for ourselves. Um, and we don't do that by staying in abusive situations. You know, we, we don't, we do that by finding healthy whole people to do life with that can help to create a healthy whole version of ourselves. Um, and it's so possible. It really is. So yes. Wow. That is bringing up something for me too. I don't know why, but something that I read in a few books, and I think Dr. Kent Henry Cloud talks about this. I also read a book by Gary Chapman about how to get away from toxic people. And something I just want to empower you guys also listening today is that you cannot change a toxic person and you cannot convince an abuser to be different than they are. And I think that's where we get lost in the cycle of like, they're going to change. And as Christians, we become really codependent in these situations, wanting to believe the best in a toxic person. But I want to empower also the people listening that like, you have no control over if that person decides to be different, get healthy, fix the brokenness in their hearts and behind the scenes that are causing them to treat you in the ways that they are. And the more you invest your heart, mind, whatever space into them getting healthier, the more it actually destroys you in the process. So we need to like, that is something you have to realize the more you invest in them changing, 
And the more that they don't, the more you get destroyed. So what you need to do, we have to take radical ownership for ourselves and say like, I am not responsible for them changing as much as I love them and want that for them. I have to detach from the outcome of their health. And I have to only realize that I'm only, I only have control of myself. It's the only per, and I have power in this situation to say, I do no, I no longer want to be in a situation where I feel discounted, where I feel ashamed, where I feel constantly, um, unheard, where I feel, where I'm abused. Like I want to, I can change that for myself. This person is not going to cheat. I can't make this person treat me differently. Nobody can, we can't convince anybody to treat us how we want to be treated. You know, that is, we can only take care of ourselves and learn how to take ownership into our own hands of what we have control of. And so, um, I just want to say that real quick. Cause I feel like, man, I got so <laughs> lost thinking like, whoa, like, like, yeah. but, but what about them? But like they can change, right? Man, that is a hard, I have been there. They can change thinking that, that mentality so much, but we cannot make a toxic person change. Mm. Now, Tony, for the, for the people listening that are like, okay, I'm going through this process. Like I maybe went through abuse years ago and feeling a little gun shy to try dating again, try getting into a relationship again. How would one know, like, I'm ready. I'm strong enough. I love myself enough to get into a relationship because once you've been through a toxic relationship, you're like, I I really don't want that to happen again. You know? So what would you say to those individuals? I mean, I, I think it's a process. I think we get to test how we feel in different environments. I think we can start with something like online dating. We can start uh, with something like just going into an atmosphere or trying out, um, you know, a one-on-one kind of session, a, a date, just to see how we feel. One of the things I love my friend says is that she does a self-check-in after every date that she goes on. How did that make me feel? Did I show up as my authentic self or was I trying to be someone um, that they like, that they love, that they would be attracted to? Did I wear something that I was comfortable in? Um, I think, you know, getting into it and kind of seeing how you feel is a beautiful way. And I did, when I was ready to date again after divorce, I was like, all right, sis, we just go and try. And honestly, there was a moment when I felt like I wasn't being Tony, when I felt like I was trying to to people please and trying to get people to like me wearing things that were just a little too revealing because that's all I'd known. I'd known guys liking me for my body. But my counselor told me specifically, Tony, if you feel like you're in a situation where you have to sexually um, manipulate someone to like you and show you attention, then you're not ready. Mm, Um, Because that's what you're going to get, baby. Like that is what you are going to get in return. Um, And me and her, my counselor, Jennifer, we wrote down all of the different things that I wanted in a man and I wanted in myself. And and that was so important for me because I didn't have a lot of self-value. I didn't care. I mean, that's just the truth. I had lived a life where I was undervalued so much that I really didn't have a, like a, a bar. I didn't have the normal list of, I want this guy to be this and I want him to treat me like this. I was like, listen, I'm going to take what I can get out here because I want to be loved. Mm-hmm. But it was in the moment where I put boundaries up that were good for me that I knew that I was like, okay, I'm becoming more whole. I have boundaries. I have requirements. I have standards. Um, and I had to get okay with the lonely. Like I am an extrovert through yeah, and through. Yes. When I get sick, oh my gosh, I don't even want to stay home. I'm like, 
please someone come to my window. Talk <laughs> yeah. to me, please. I'm just staring out, watching other people frolic in their lives. You're like waving. You're like, hi, you want to be my friend? Hi, Tony. I'll be okay in three days. Come be my friend. I'm FaceTiming everybody. And, and it is because, you know, I'm an extrovert and I think that's totally fine. I love to be around people. Um, but there gets to be a moment where I have to recognize that, um, that the whole version of Tony actually is okay with stillness and is okay with being quiet and, and, and being and not doing. And those are just some signs that I had to learn in myself before I put myself out there. And then when I was ready, putting myself out there and doing an inventory. Okay. We didn't like that. All right. Play it. We don't, yes. we don't want to meet, you know what I'm saying? Like in a place where it's just me and you, I need to be around crowd. Okay. Yeah. Cause I got anxiety already. And I've, been <laughs> you out here. I've been had a reflex and just bust you in the face. You know, like, <laughs> I just, you oh know because I know me, like yes. I know myself when I feel unsafe, I go into protection mode and fists are up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that about myself. And so you just got to know yourself. You got to put yourself out there, check the inventory, change the things that you don't like. And then keep doing that. Do not stop checking in with yourself. Don't. Because we have wounds. We have wounds that have turned into scars. They don't disappear. They become who we are and they impact our everyday lives. And we have to build boundaries that protect us from them being impacted, you know? Yes. I love that you're saying that because that's been such a thing that I've been practicing just the last few years. Still being a single woman over here is Hello. like, ayo, is literally journaling. After, as I begin j- dating, it's been a critical part of my process. It's journaling after the date. Hey, Kate, be honest with yourself. How did you feel? Like, how did you feel around this person? You guys, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you can tell in your body there is different bodily, like you will know, I feel lots of tension. I feel something is off, you know, and, um, or you will feel like I felt safe. I felt heard. I felt, um, like this person was genuine. Like you will be able to kind of tell through mannerisms, through the conversation, through energy, like seriously, like the presence of that person and how they make you feel. There is so much that like, um, and I'm talking less of just like their sweet words, they're charismatic words, you know, but like, how did you actually feel in your body? Pay attention to it and write it down. What was like felt a little bit off for you? And because they might send you a text the next day is like the best thing you've ever heard. And if you haven't written that down, you're going to forget about all those little things that maybe felt a little off to you. Right. And they go out the window. You're like this text, but he likes me. Oh my gosh. He wants to see me. I know I didn't send a crazy selfie. Okay, sis, we're downhill. We're downhill. Go back to the What did you write down? What did you write down? Go back to it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then something for me I've had to also process is like back to like the love yourself to not lose yourself is like, hey, if you really we should never be in a place where we are focusing so much on needing that person to make ourselves feel good. And after my abusive relationship, I had dated 10 years back to back. It ended with that abusive relationship. So I kind of had to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, wait a second, who is Kate outside of relationship? Who is Kate single? Who, who is Kate without any male validation, any male presence in her life that is feeding her? Who is that person? And I realized I had no idea. I couldn't even answer the question. I was like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. Like, who is that? I've always dated. I've always had guys around. I've always had that validation, whatever way it was. And so 
when we can take the journey of figuring out how to love yourself to not lose yourself in the way that like, who am I? Who does God call me? Like, what is, what are the beautiful parts of my personality? What do I uniquely have to offer a relationship? And the same time that I would encourage you to do what Tony suggested, which was like, write down the list of things that you're actually looking for. Hey, sis and brother listening, like, write down a list of what you bring to a relationship. Like, what do you have to offer someone, you know? As we have to know that. We have to know like, oh, I have to offer a lot of empathy and I'm really compassionate and I'm a person with drive and vision. Or for you, Tony, I'm an extrovert. I love people and I love connecting. And, um, you know, what are the things you bring to a relationship as well? Because oftentimes what, what happens when we've been manipulated through relationship is we kind of we we throw away those important parts of ourselves and we forget that like, no, this is who I am. But instead, when we are in toxic relationships, we throw that away to like kind of form into whatever the person is saying we are or what we want to be for them, you know? That's good. Oh, oh. Tony, we there's so much more we can talk about, but is there anything just that we didn't talk about today that's just on your heart that you're like, man, I want the men and women listening to like know this if they've been in a toxic relationship or about your story that you learned. Yeah. I think, um, and gosh, I hope I, I say this and it's received in a whole way, especially because I'm a, you know, married woman Mm. been divorced and gosh, did a lot of crazy dating in my day. But I think I want to say this, um, you are more important than your dating life, who you are, just without anyone else, friends, community, so important, but your mere existence is more important than who you date. Mm. Um, and this is not a, a race. It's, it, I hope dating is a, in a comparison trap to you. Um, I hope that all of us can walk in the fullness of knowing that it's our heart. That's so important. The protection of it, um, the wholeness of it, the healing of it, and it is beautiful and it's cherished and so, so important. And there is nothing more important, you know, than our beautiful whole hearts. Um, and God marvels in those in so many different ways. And I've had to learn that over and over and over again. And then I would say that to those of you that have, you know, been in an abusive situation, gosh, I just, I hope that you can walk in the fullness of knowing that it is not who you are. It is what has happened to you, but it is not who you are. Um, you don't have to be and, and live in a victim mentality. You have overcome, you have been through something really hard and victory and hope is on the other side of that. Abuse is a part of your story, but not the totality of it. Um, and there is, there's freedom and there's peace and there's wholeness on the other side of the healing that it is going to take uh, to bring you from a victim place to a victor place. Um, but it's there and it's available. Mm. It is. Tony, my gosh, girl. I'm like speaking mm. to my heart right now too. Like I'm like, Oh, thanks Tony. It's uh, true. Uh, I, I feel like you just answered my last question too, which is like the final nugget of dating advice. I feel like you just like spoke mm-hmm. it in. Mm-hmm. Would you do us a favor? I don't do this often, but I feel just like led by the spirit. Would you be open to like praying for the men and women listening oh gosh, right now? Yes. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. I love oh, that. Okay. Um, Father. Wow. I just want to thank you first and foremost for um, this conversation. When we look back, God, years and years and years ago, um, we weren't talking about this. We weren't talking about the hard nooks and crannies of abuse 
of toxic relationships, of gaslighting me, that word wasn't even a part of my vocabulary. Thank you, God, for men and women who are brave enough to be honest with their stories, to come out with their stories so that we can find solutions and hopefully, Lord, we can prevent it from happening to other innocent souls and hearts. God, would you just encourage those that are listening right now? Would you just remind them um, that they're still loved and cherished, that abuse should have never happened, that their tears are stunning, and that their worth is still intact? God, thank you that we get to walk, me and Kate, in the fullness of healing, God, of, of looking back, being able, being gifted with the privilege of looking back and saying, that's where we were and here's where we are now and here's where we're going. And we just pray, God, that for any person that's listening right now at the sound of my voice, that's recognizing maybe for the first time that they're in an abusive situation, or maybe this is the moment where they have enough bravery to tell someone to escape, to get out. God, I just pray for those people now, for bravery, for strength, for the perseverance that it does take to get out of a situation that's abusive and go on a journey of healing. I pray for them now, God. Be close and be so near to their hearts. Remind them of your immense, overflowing, reckless, relentless love for them. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Girl, got some tears in my eyes over here. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, man, I just feel it. Oh, I love you, girl. Man, hey, you are doing such powerful work. And I want people to connect with you with Broken Crayon Still Color. And yeah. like, what is going on over there? What have you guys been up to? I mean, like, it's amazing. I will, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, as you're talking through the steps of your program, I'm like, um, yes, this is perfect. Yes. I'm nodding my head as you're talking. I'm like, mm-hmm. Um, so what do y'all got going on over there? What do you want to share with the people today? Yeah, absolutely. So many great things. Um, one of the things that we decided to do, which was scary and crazy, is we wanted to release some merch that actually um, had people wearing their hope. So we have all this hopeful merch that's out right now. Um, and we are gearing up for another broken but hopeful challenge. Kate, you're actually the first to know. Okay? Oh my gosh, girl. We're gearing up for, I've not said this publicly, for another broken but hopeful challenge. I'm so excited. We bring speakers in, speakers like yourself, who did it for us back in September, um, to help women kick off the journey of finding and living a life of, of wholeness and hope. And so we have that coming early 2021. Um, that's the only way that you can get inside of the Hopeful Woman course is through going through this free challenge so that we can just make sure that you're actually ready for the hard work that is overcoming brokenness and finding hope. But all things are at Broken Crayons, B-R-K-N, Crayons. We got super fancy with the name. <laughs> um, you can find all the things there, the women's Facebook group where we're praying for women and reaching out to them personally, all the different things, broken crayons, you can find it there. Oh, girl, phenomenal. Everyone needs to check it out, y'all, because it's so good. I was so thrilled to be in the challenge last September, too, and just even watch some of the other speaker sessions. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm being healed all over again over here, okay? Um, it was so good. And I think coming out of 2020 into 2021, where we're, we are now, like, what an amazing opportunity for everyone to just, this is your year of, and I, I hate being cliche like that, but 
2020 was was hard. Like it's a hard year <laughs> for a lot. Like we just all love in a way. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Like we need some healing. We need some freshness. We need newness. And um, this is the time that we just cleaning out the closet. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. We're Marie Kondoing <laughs> our life. Okay, everyone. Oh, <laughs> like let's do let's it. Get an organization going. Okay. Are we going into that closet that we have kept shut that we are afraid to share with people and? And mapping out those different details of our story and seeking that healing and getting the community that we need, the the safe community, the people we can share with. And yeah, if you guys are listening right now and you're like, I don't know where that community is, hey, over at Heart of Dating Facebook, over at Broken Crayons Facebook, like we have these communities that are here to support you. We hope that you'll be a part of them. And Tony and I both pour into these like individually and just like it is our mission and call. So if you feel like you have nowhere to go, come be in our communities because we we love it. We want to hear be here and support you and pray over you and and connect you with other people who are going through similar things. So Tony, I love you. I love you so much, friend. (laughs) All the love. So excited for everything for you in 2021. And just grateful that you shared your heart today. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kate, for having me. I appreciate this. All right, all right, all right. Y'all, I love Tony and her heart and her story. And I just want to say this if you are listening to this episode and you want more resources, check out what Tony is doing at Broken Crayon Still Color. She's doing fabulous work, and I just love her heart to help women through their brokenness. Also, if you really felt the weight of this message today, I highly encourage you to get my book. Thank you for rejecting me. Abuse and toxic relationships has been a huge part of my story, something that nobody would have considered I had been through. So if that's you, if you're thinking, man, I don't think I can even share about this. Man, I know I need to get out of this. Man, I need help. Man, I I just feel so low and shamed. Friend, I encourage you to get my book and then join our community so we can come around you and support you and love on you. Friend, you are not alone. You are not too broken. You are not unworthy. You are loved and you're wonderful and you can be healed and set free. All right, friends, that's it for today. Thankful for you guys. I'll see you on Friday for our mini series and see you next week for my book launch. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 